for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hunt Breakdown Series 2018. This is the second part of a six-part series. This is going to be part number two. This is going to be the camp. And with me, I have my lifelong hunting partner, Leroy Chavez, here. Um, I call him Chav all the time. You'll hear us uh, call him Chav. You'll hear Gilbert call him Leroy Chavez, Chav, or Chav Chavez. <laughs> he kind of has yeah. that. Um, so this whole podcast is going to be second part of the series, and we're going to talk about the camp. We're going to talk about how to select it, um, layout and setup, the different types of things like that. And remember, the whole idea of the Hunt Breakdown 2018 is you're basically getting a ride on our shoulder, getting in our head, um, to find out the whys and the wherefores of why we made certain decisions that we did. It's not that uh, we have all of these different options. We already know what unit we're going to. We've already received our unit. We've actually, as we talked about in part one, when we talked about um, uh, the scouting, we talked about our different four selected areas. We had a, a spot A, a spot B, uh, a C and a D. These were different areas that we had planned and we had noted that were going to be our main hit areas when we came in to hunt. Now we had to consider the second thing. Where do you camp? Where, why, how? Those types of things. So um, the first thing that uh, we're going to talk about is is 
the camp types. And that has changed a lot for us from when we first began. Right, it really has. Remember those days? Yep. We had a we started off with a mobile camp and that was basically the back of uh our what, nineteen eighty seven pickup. Pick <laughs> right. So we moved from area to area depending on uh, you know, what we noted as far as uh uh elk sign and that that worked out for us pretty decent. Yeah, in fact the area that we're hunting in now basically happened, and this is a, you know, uh, sometimes the most brilliant coach, the most brilliant person is the one who has to make a mistake and then deal with the consequences. And very early in our hunting of this one area, um, we actually got stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? I remember that. Yeah. It was a wet, wet summer. It was one of the wettest summers we right. had ever seen. And we remember we were traveling on a road, and um, you know how it is when you're rubbernecking, looking for sign, looking for elk. We're driving in. We're excited. And I veered off just a little bit enough where a giant red ant pile had gotten soaked next to a spring. And we went down, man. I mean, yeah. we we went down hard and heavy, and we got stuck. We So we made lemonade out of lemons. We threw our tent out. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we couldn't move it, so we thought, well, we'll camp right here, and we'll camp, we'll, uh, we'll hunt out of here. And we didn't really worry about getting the truck out of the mud till uh, the last day. <laughs> well, until somebody arrived. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> we had to wait for some help. So here we are, and we're like, well, we're going to make the best out of this, and we start hunting, and we had an incredible hunt. Right. It was awesome. We were in elk all the time. It wasn't an area. And, you know, this is what we talked about in one of our other podcasts is a lot of people, they actually pass elk to go find elk, you know. And that was what we were actually heading probably 10 miles from where we ended up getting stuck. And um, the country wasn't gorgeous. It wasn't beautiful. It was all thick oak brush. It was rough. It was rocky. But it was loaded with elk. Right. And... uh, like Joe just mentioned, a lot of people uh, drive right past the L, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get back to where we're talking, like, talking about camp type. Our early camp, like he said, was basically um, out of the back of our pickup. It was very mobile. So you want to think about, and we're thinking about, okay, for this camp, there's going to be six of us. Uh, so it's going to be Chav and myself, and we have uh, four buddies coming in. Uh, from out of state, they're going to join us, but they're not going to join us for three days. Three, yeah, three days into the hunt. Into the hunt. So we're trying to decide, you know, and because of the numbers, that really helped guide. I mean, you know, it's not going to be a small camp. Um, it can be in some ways, and you could kind of keep it kind of mobile if you everybody had one small tent. You did things out of the back of your vehicle, you parked, you threw the tent out, you slept there, and then if you needed to move, that's the way to go. And um, But for us, uh, we had scouted this area, and there were a lot of considerations. So we decided, instead of going with a mobile camp, um, we decided to go with a base. And so this was going to be basically our base camp. And in doing that, we had to really, really take a look at where are we going to pick that spot because now it's critical. If you're going to put six guys in some place, 
that spot selection becomes real important. Right. Um, the area that we selected, um, the first thing that you got to remember is is you don't crap where you're going to eat <laughs> or where you want to find the elk. Uh, so you've got to really take a look at and, and we if we have an area A that is our great area that we're going in, we definitely don't want to put ourselves in a position where our scent is wreaking uh, havoc over over the area. So we have to really take a look at a lot of things. And because we're hunting state land and uh, it does have boundaries, we decided that we found an area, a drainage that uh, to the west of us had a real high ridge uh, to the east of us, that drainage ran east, and it's probably not a half mile to the boundary. So that drainage is basically when the night's cooling and there's no winds, our thermals are heading down, and they're going down into the property that we're not able to hunt. Okay, So that's something that we're thinking about. We want to be able to hunt to the north, west, and south of us. Now, thoughts are, what is the wind predominantly in that area mm. coming out of where? Is it the east? It, it's basically going to the east. It's coming out of the west, west and it's going uh-huh. to the east. We generally get our winds out of the west and they, and they blow across. So then you start to think about, well, if you're, if you're camped on the east side of the unit where your area is, isn't that going to cause you some problems? So thermals is the big thing to think about. If we have the wind, we had a large enough ridge up there so that as the wind is taking our scent and it hits that ridge, if it does stay down with the thermals in the cool, it's actually going to go along the ridge and it's going to keep from going over the other side. That's a strategy for hunting too that we'll talk about. Um, If there is no wind at all, our thermals are staying, it's going down that drainage and it's flowing to the west off the area from where the direction we want to hunt. Um, that's given us the north and the south pretty much pretty free. Right. Uh, so when you got six guys in a base camp, there's going to be a lot of scent. So you really have to consider all of that, and there's some things that you need to do. Now, again, like we talked about in the first, first podcast, this wasn't a backcountry area. This is a use area. Right. Heavily used. Yeah. So they're used to seeing people, smelling people. Uh, They're used to those types of encounters. And uh, again, there's a podcast that we're going to be doing this evening that's going to be talking about scent. And we'll cover all that stuff in that so that you can hear about how that scent affects these animals. So we're at the head of the drainage. The wind and the thermals are giving us multiple options because even if we go up the ridge in front of us, if we stay on one side of that ridge and there's no wind going across, well, then our our scent's still going to stay on that side, which lets us listen to what's happening on the other side of that ridge going into our hunting area. Um, That's walking out of camp. So we have a a walkout option. we can use the ridge effectively to hunt in front of us. 
we can get on that ridge and we can go north and we can actually go south. And we can hear things happening because we're high up. As that day warms up, even if we have a, a wind that's going to, from the west to the east, the warmer air, as as our scent comes off that ridge, is going to actually carry that up. Again, we'll talk more about that on this next one. So, in relation to our hunt options, A, B, C, and D, we wanted walkout option. And we did. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> and we also have a drive-out option. Uh, we're pretty close to a lot of uh, forks in the road, so we can drive out to other areas. Uh, generally, we we get good results right off the bat, but uh, if we can't find them, we can drive out to a totally different area and, and hunt there. So uh, the drive options are readily available. And we're going to talk about, in our next series after this, is going to be the plan, part three. Um, So you're going to hear what our plan was for day one and why we selected that. But we wanted our hunt area to be, to give us walkout option and drive out options. Um, We didn't want to have to head out of camp every day to be able to go and hunt. We didn't want to disturb the area so much. And we're in a good area. We're probably within a mile, mile and a half of our target area A with a lot of great hunting in between us. And it's all to the northwest of us. So even if we did have to hit west with the wind at our back, we weren't Mm -hmm. disturbing that area up there. Okay. Um, So... Layout and setup. We want to make sure, number one, in our layout that we have an invisible footprint. Um, We're hunting on uh, state land, and we want to be good stewards of the land, so we want to make sure that we do a good job of when we leave out of there, it looks the same as when we went in. There will be some grass pressed down, but we want to make sure that, you know, we have an area where we're not... uh, um, making a big imprint on that and, and damaging stuff. We have um, to think about protection because there's two reasons you're going to need protection. If it's really rainy, like a monsoon season, like I talked about that we have in New Mexico, yeah. you remember, you remember yeah. what our one of our nights was like? Yeah, it can be pretty brutal. <laughs> How much rain did we get? <clears throat> I don't know, but we got... It was in the inches. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was actually flowing through our camp like a river. I mean, uh, w- one of the items that you need for your camp is going to be you need to make sure that you have a good shovel because uh, let me tell you, we were digging trenches or, around trying to keep everything dry where we were at and to to move the water to different places. But one thing that you got to think about is protection. Um, from monsoon or even sun, you know, it, it really, what is it, you know, any of you guys that ever stayed in a tent when the sun's beating down on it, it's impossible to sleep in one of those things because you're like in a little oven on, on that. So um, in order to do that, one of the most important items that we have when we're setting up a camp is a tarp. And even if you're going to have a tent, make a plan to pull a line and set up a tarp uh, over top of your tent. Uh, It's going to give you a bigger area of dryness. It's going to give you double protection inside your tent because 
we had one of our partners that didn't have a tarp on his tent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and in the middle of the night on that downpour. Yep, got soaked. <laughs> I mean, got soaked. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there were a lot of interesting words coming out of that tent. <laughs> but uh, a double layer. Double and, layer, right. And not only just for the rain. But for the sun, too. But for the sun. It sure is nice during that midday. Uh, it's, you know, elk hunting is, is brutal on the body anyway. Hiking and going up and down and doing all the things that you do from, you know, before daylight till after dark. So if you can get some place where you're in shade, where you can sleep and where you can be comfortable and get out of that sun, that really helps to keep you from being drained. So uh, tarps are well worth their money and they're not expensive. Uh, you don't have to have the greatest tent in the world if you have a good tarp. And a tarp isn't even going to come close. You know, you go out to buy a tent these days. Have you looked at any of those these days? Yeah, they're pretty, pretty pricey. <laughs> so um, we've had the same tent. Uh, again, guys, uh, we've been grinding it out for a while. We've had the same tent for probably the last eight years. Um, it even has a couple little pinholes in places up there yeah. from, for different reasons. But uh, we put the tarp over top of it, and we really, really stay good like that. So it's nice to have that second layer, and it's nice to not have a hot tent. Uh, if you do have the afternoon to sleep in there, you can really sleep good. Okay. An important thought at your camp is your hygiene, especially if you're going to have six guys in there. Uh, and if you're in a back uh, area camp, for us, and again, we'll talk about in the scent podcast, but it's been real important for us. We've been uh, bathers uh, at camp. Right. Mm -hmm. That's ever, how we started, yeah. Ever since we started. And, and for a long time, that was out of... Uh, plastic bin you know we would just uh, take a plastic tub heat some water to try to get the water warm uh, if we could set up a tarp someplace to keep the water from hitting us while we did a, a little uh, cup and uh, and water bath on that we we always stay clean so hygiene was real important to us uh, we've gotten to the point now over the years with gifts you know and now we have a, a shower tent one of those that you that you just pop up out there and we take and we put a tarp uh, around that. And um, it, it's nice. We've gotten these gifts. You know, we're a little bit older now. So we have a nice little pump shower. Uh, and we have a nice place for us to take a shower out there. But let me tell you what. We have <clears throat> we've frozen it before. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. <laughs> now it's a warm shower, you know, after a hard day's work. So it uh, makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, do you remember uh, the the river up uh, at Tres Piedras? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> yeah, I, we just stripped and jumped in, and uh, it was probably, you know, like in the forties. <laughs> oh man! After the initial shock, it it warms your body up quick. But uh, yeah, yeah, and and afterwards, you know, <clears throat> after a, a cold jump and where you finally get your breath back and and you clean up, it it really uh, felt refreshing afterwards. But, man, you sure didn't look forward to it. So it's kind of nice now right. that we're able to do that. But there's so many different ways to be able to do that. Uh, you can do the tub just with a rag and do a sponge bath on that. Uh, as far as the types of things that you use for that, now it's really nice because you find them on sale at the end of the hunting season. Uh, there's a lot of that 
I just call it green goop soap. Uh, it's a lot of the hunter type soaps that are out there. There's so many of them. Uh, uh, we always put it on our Christmas list and hope people give that to us. Prior to that, what was our main thing that we washed with? Um, bacon. Bacon soda. Soda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that was effective, but, you know, it clumps up and, you know, when you use it a lot and, and it kind of irritates the skin sometimes. So the soap has been a, a blessing also. Now, the baking soda was great. I mean, before they created the wash stuff, we always did our, our clothes in baking right. soda as well. So uh, baking soda, we brushed our teeth with baking soda. Uh, and so it's a great alternative. Uh, you can actually just powder it on yourself um, before you go out. Uh, very cheap uh, type of uh, scent uh, eliminator is baking soda. However... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, be very careful where you put that baking soda <laughs> down inside them shorts because it can get irritating, <laughs> man. <laughs> All right. Those hot days are killer. Yeah, it could be tough. All right. So um, we we do a shower. Uh, we do a, a latrine area, and we make sure it's away from camp, and we have some camp rules about that. You know, uh, a hole, we take a shovel. We dig holes, and we always, uh, everything ends up getting buried back up immediately. So one of the things that we do is uh, we make sure, again, there is no sign when we leave of us having been there. I mean, we had six guys at this camp for uh, 11 days, and we left out of there. You'd have no idea that they were there. And plants got fertilized a little right, bit. Right, yeah. <laughs> we just revisited the area uh, looking for sheds and you can tell there was even a camp there. Yeah. So that's important to us. Um, another thing as far as hygiene with us, and it's not necessarily hygiene, but has to do with smell, is we do a dry camp. We do no fire. Um, I am very particular about scent. I don't want to smell like a ham in the woods. Um, plus, I don't have to worry about anything if there's a dry year, mm -hmm. and we've had our share of those out there. Um so I don't have to worry about putting out a fire, it, it causing a fire. That's the last thing that, that I'd like to have. And the other thing is when you have a dry camp, it seems like you get in bed earlier. Yeah. I think if you have a campfire, you tend to sit out there and uh, just, you know, talk and gossip and maybe drink a few beers and stay up all night long. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I think a dry camp, you know, gets you to bed earlier. Yeah, it's it's there's something um, uh, a, a fire will just hypnotize you, and you just kind of sit there, and it, it's very comforting. So um, we try to get into the get into the bag as soon as possible in the evening. Um, we set up a shooting range. Uh, when we do that, uh, you know, we just bring a small target. We try to make sure we have good backstopping area and try to do something where we don't have to worry about tall grass so everybody's having to search for arrows uh i do miss on occasion um because uh, we play some crazy games out there when we do that <laughs> uh and make sure that you're shooting away from camp from vehicles from other people always consider safety on that now camp equipment and needs uh i would say that three of your most important items and you know you can you can always find a place to put these are a shovel, a saw, and a hammer. Make sure you have those three things. I mean, they're indispensable when we're out right. there. Mm -hmm. Then you want to have, uh, you know, plenty of tarps, 
not just as a secondary cover for your tent, but, you know, to uh, lay the animals on after you get them. And uh, there's just so many uses of them. So it's good to take, uh, you know, four or five smaller tarps. And then, of course, you need bungees like crazy out there and, and the rope and the stakes. Yeah, we, we prefer bungees uh, to a stake rather than a rope. You know, you can hard tie a tarp to uh, a stake and you get some winds out there and it it's either ripping up the tarp or it's tearing out the stake. And we like to use bungees from that to our stake because it gives a little bit. Um, it still holds things pretty taut, but when there's a wind, it's not just that straight pull on there. And so each bungee on a different place on there it reacts differently to it, and your equipment lasts a little yeah, bit longer. You out get there. a little give and take, whereas the rope, it's you know, it's there or it's not there, and it, a lot of times tents come down. And we have a bag. We have our kind of our tarp rope stake bag that all the stakes that we've gathered over the year they stay in a little bag by themselves we have the ropes and the bungees all inside there and like chav said you can't go wrong with tarps there's just so many things we had an extra tarp when Gil- when gilbert was getting soaked this last <laughs> this last hunt right uh we were able to pull that out get it over top of there and uh um you know uh sweep the water out of the stand uh, it was hilarious yeah he he uh, Showed up with a brand new tent that was supposed to be waterproof, and it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> they, they forgot to spray the stuff. Yeah, some, <laughs> in some, China, I guess something didn't work right. Yeah. So, um, food. Uh, you know, Chav and I, when we first started out here, and for a lot of years, man, it uh, we lived off bologna, Snickers. Uh, we yeah. had bread, bologna, mustard, and. Uh, you know, we would buy things like real inexpensive Pop-Tarts, and that would be kind of our carb thing. Not the most nutritious. Right. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Peanut butter and jelly. To was, go with a bologna. That was a treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we always lost good weight on a hunt. That's one thing we like about the right. hunt. Get out there in that mileage. But uh, the, over the years, what we started doing was... Um, we would both make meals, so many meals for how we were going to be out there. Uh, we would have, you know, the bologna and stuff for lunch. But we would make a meal, make a big old pot of goulash or spaghetti or something like that and put it in Ziploc bags. You could kind of flatten them out and put them in the freezer. And you would have, you know, all you'd have to do is once you got back from the hunt, you throw that in a pan, turn on the heat, and you've got dinner. You're not uh, out there all night. So... One of my favorites is, is, is goulash. Be careful of what? What don't you want to be eating? <laughs> <laughs> All the beans and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kill you. Yeah, be real careful. Yeah, so yeah, we went through that phase for, uh, that's pretty much what we did. Yeah. And now that we have our Venezuelan connection. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll hear us it's talk about. It's a little different now. Manano and Luis, um, good buddies of ours from Venezuela. Two of uh, the best human beings that you'll ever meet in the world. We've really gotten to know them the last couple of years that they've hunted with us. And they are just uh, super guys. Again, we're real picky about who's in our camp. And they've always had an open invitation to come back. They're just super. But they love to cook. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of nice, man. These guys come in and and uh, they spoil us with all these meals and 
now it's a lot harder to yeah. lose weight. Yeah, we're talking five-star meals. And <laughs> I have to remind them I'm not the same size as everybody else in camp. So don't load my plate up. But still, it's they do a good job. It's an excellent meal. Hey, Manano, no means no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so we have them now, and, and they do a, a lot of food for us. But still, we bring, me and Chab are out there for three days by ourselves, and we're back to the bologna, back to the peanut butter and jelly. And then when the chef shows up, it's like, yeah. Right, five-star chefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, on this hunt, we killed, as you know from what we told, we killed two elk. On opening morning, so we actually got to go down and 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 then when we came back up after being with the guys, we went back down at the end of it, and I think we gained a pound <laughs> yeah. after, after it was all said and done all right so um that's something for you to think about it is your food what you're going to have there, and if you're going to be in a back area camp you know with food, we're not able to get in. And just take off for ice. So we really have to think about our ice storage and our and our water storage. Um, when you're doing just bologna and bread, we tried to keep it just as small so we didn't have to worry about that. Um, when we did do a kill, we tried to get it down off the mountain ASAP. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the haul and what to do with the meat on the last part of this six part. So we'll talk about that then. But that's something you have to consider. Uh how much ice do you need? Coolers are getting so much better these days. And if you really look around, um, you know, it's, again, throw them on the Christmas list or, you know, uh, it, because if you try to buy all that stuff at one time, it'll break you because there's there's some of those coolers that of different makes and models that are, are really, really great. Um, we've always, uh, our cooler has just been uh, Coleman coolers in the past. And, you know, we just try to make sure we, oh, your secret to ice, um, so that it lasted longer instead of buying it uh, in in the bags of ice. Yeah, my, uh, we buy, well, we, we're coffee drinkers at home, and my wife always buys the gallon uh, containers of uh, water. So uh, when it's empty, you know, we fill it up, put it in the freezer, and it's one large ice cube. And that lasts a long time. Or you could even use a Ziploc bag, you know, gallon bag, fill it up with water, and then place it in the in the freezer. And uh, that'll give you a nice ice cube that's kind of flat, so you can lay a lot more down there. So, you know, that makes a big difference. Yeah, because now, these days, man, uh, a bag of ice is going to cost you between 2 and $3 a bag. And, you know, you can put 10 to 14 sometimes in one of those coolers and... Because they're a small cube ice, they just don't last that long. So, right. you know, creating your own ice in the freezer <clears throat> is, is really huge. If you have a chest freezer at the house, you know, stack up those Ziplocs, put those gallon jugs, and they last a long, long time inside there. Yeah, those blocks last forever. Mm-hmm. And they really help you on a long hunt. Yeah, if you have a Yeti and you put some of those in there, they're there the whole 11 days. Right. So another thing, uh, another, uh, thing on our decision for our camp is sleeping comforts again when we first started out we were sleeping in the back of the truck and which is super man i mean we were mobile uh we would take things out put it underneath the truck to protect it from the rain we always had the front of the truck and it was a king cab so we could 
put plenty of gear inside there. Everything stayed dry. Everything was safe. We were warm. We were off the ground. And what we did in the back of the truck is we took a piece of plywood and three-quarter inch ply, um, cut it in half, cut out the, you know, the, the tire wells, and put them in so that instead of having to worry about the ridges, we had a nice flat bottom inside there, put a couple of ground mats, and, man, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then if everything, you know, isn't going well for the hunt, it's no problem, man. You just drive a couple miles and, and go to Target B. And uh, and you're in another place. Right now, um, and you always got to check for the different areas you're in because there's a lot of public land, either state trust lands or BLM or national forest, uh, state park areas that all have different type of camping rules as far as that went. And uh, that's one thing nice about being in the back of the truck. We really weren't setting up a camp. And if you hunted till the evening, you slept in the back of the truck, you know, from where you parked that day, you know, you, you didn't have to worry about the whole camp issue. So that was something that worked out pretty well for us. And now it's a little bit different because, like you said, we're set up a, a base camp. Uh, so um, the want to make sure you have sleep comforts, man. Right. And, and just going back to the camps a little bit, uh, on occasion we'll – We'll just uh, pack up our sleeping bags and uh, a small tent and go do a drop camp, uh, drop camp somewhere. Uh, you know, if we've noticed that they're coming in early in the morning or leaving early in the morning and coming in late at night, we'll just go set a camp and, and be there at yeah. that time. Especially in the national forest areas where you can camp anywhere and stuff like that, that the drop camp really works real good for us. So that's something so that we didn't have to come back and forth after long, long hikes. That's when we're doing a hunt where we're really hiking out of right. far, far and finding animals away. Um, the other type of sleep and comforts, man, make sure you have a good ground pad. Uh, if you're using uh, cots, uh, they go good. There's some guys that are, are using blow-up mattresses. Uh, again, sometimes you can convince mom at home to, you know, we need one for the gas and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I laughed because uh, a couple of years ago, one of the guys brought this humongous blow-up yeah. pad. Remember that? <laughs> he blew it up and couldn't get it in the Because he tent. blew it up outside his tent. <laughs> I mean, that thing stood about, what, three and a half feet off the ground? and It was huge, man. <laughs> It was a, a a deluxe a Supreme Queen or something like that. Blew it up outside his tent, and uh, it it was comedy seeing him trying yeah. to get that inside there. And even him. going further back, I can remember a friend of ours from uh, the Hemis Pueblo. Yeah. They bought a mattress, <laughs> and he's just lucky uh, he happened on a horse to help him carry it. <laughs> and that's another story. About oh, that. that's a yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you that one another time. Um, another thing is. If you're somebody that uh, the pillows really matter, bring your pillow, man. Uh, the only thing I would suggest is if you have a fleece jacket, uh, my wife makes me a couple of fleece uh, tops. And I have one of them as my camp fleece that I wear. It gives me a layer when I'm just sitting in camp so that, you know, I come back and change my clothes. And I like to put that on the outside of my pillow because, you know, if you're getting cold weather September's, man, it 
at night, that mm-hmm. pillow can get really cold, and the fleece gives you just that little bit of layer, keeps your head warm. So that's something to think about. Uh, and I recommend to everybody, if if you had the choice, and I have again, I've had the same sleeping bag for twenty years. Uh, uh, if you're going to have a bag, I recommend you have one that can handle the cold because you can always open up. If you don't have one that, you know, and you get really wet and cold like we did this mm-hmm. year and the temperature drops down at night and you have one that's not handling that, you don't want to be miserable at night. So uh, I recommend having a bag that can handle the cold because you can always open that bag up. A uh, camp chair is nice. Uh, you know, a place for you to relax, for guys to sit around and make all kinds of those. But, you know, Walmart, you can get a chair from anywhere from 5 to $15. So, um, again, you have to pack it and you have to lug it. But uh, there's an area on ve- most vehicles and most trucks that aren't used uh, above the roof, and it makes a great place just to put items like that so that you have them. You don't have to worry about them getting wet or anything like that. So, um I recommend a camp chair. We already talked about ice and water. For us, that's critical. One thing that we do try to do is um, we pull our a little trailer in so far, and we'll actually park that someplace lower down where we, with water in that area where we can actually take uh, a four-wheeler truck and go without having to go all the way in town and pick up some more water. Uh, but we try to figure and have everybody bring so much so that that takes care of us. I think we even ended up pouring out some water this year because yeah. it was so wet. You know, we didn't drink as much, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't that hot. We didn't sweat as much. So Yeah, we did a good job with the water. Um, your fuel, uh, be real careful about fuel. Uh, you got to make sure that you have enough if you're using a four-wheeler. If you're parking there, you, you know, you're... Just depends on what how much you use coming in, but always have some backup fuel with you in case something happens so that you can get out. Um, a cook box. We've developed a cook box over the year where we have one of those plastic gear boxes, and inside that has a real small cook stove uh, so that we can put our propane on that. It has everything, our utensils, mm-hmm. our pots, our pans. Um, salts, seasonings, you know, right. it has all well, the seasonings. All the condiments and um, plates, ha- bowls, napkins. And all the uh, Ziplocs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that becomes our camp kit. Uh, and it's great because we put things in it over the year. If the family wants to go camping, we grab the kit and we're off. And that, again, helps us to get all the things in there and, and make sure that it stays in there from year to year. Um we we use lanterns. We use propane lanterns out there. So you got to carry your fuel. Got to make sure that you have that. There's a lot of nice solar things happening right now, but we definitely need a lantern in one area where we do our cooking because it's generally dark when we right. get back. It's dark when we leave in the morning. So that's something to, to talk about there. You have to have a trash plan. Guys, please, please, whatever you do, take out more trash than you bring in Anytime you go out into the woods and uh, we make sure we have good, thick, large trash liners and we have kind of a trash plan where we like to put our plastic type stuff, if we have any of that in one, uh, with uh, aluminum cans, paper in another one. 
and uh, we try to keep things just separate like that. And you have to make sure that you have room to get that stuff out strapped to the whatever you have to to be able to get out of there. If you're you know doing a different type of camp where you're mobile, you're hiking in, you're not going to have a lot of that. You know, you're doing a lot of stuff in small. Uh, you know, you're you're suffering a lot more, right. basically. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have as much of that stuff. And you're going to um, generally going to carry something, be able to get water out of streams, uh, a filtering device or something like that. But um, that's not what's happening in this camp right here. Uh, your tent, we've talked about uh, large or small. We go large at a base camp. If we're doing the truck, then we go small uh, or we sleep in the back of the truck. So... That's basically how uh, that goes for us. So I would say that we've talked about types of the types of things that you need at the camp, but the most important thing I would tell you guys is your camp selection. Now, some of that is going to be dictated to you because in New Mexico, if you're, if you're hunting on state trust land, the way the rules go is that they have designated camping areas. I do not agree with it. Uh, we are permittees, and just like those people that lease those for cattle grazing, uh, we should have the right as a permittee to camp anywhere on there. Um, we're working to get some of that changed, but you can be dictated where to camp. And if that's happening, then you've got to think a little bit differently about your A, B, C, and D because it can become... Um, NASCAR in the yeah. morning. <laughs> Real restrictive down there, and, and everybody's in the same area. So, but and the 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 place they selected isn't very good either. Yeah, like, for a no, lot for yeah, a lot of those, hardly that, any cover, and you know it's a bad situation. And I think that's one thing as sportsmen that we need to work to change. Uh, I, I think that right now it has a very negative impact on on the area, but. I guess the point being is that sometimes you're dictated where you're you're going to camp, and so you got to really think about those things. And sometimes you got to get out even earlier, just so that you're not uh, behind a, a line of four wheelers or UTVs or something like that, or or trucks uh, out there, just so that you can uh, get moving. So spot selection is critical. If you're someplace where they do have access roads and you can camp along those access roads and and a lot of public land in New Mexico, try to make sure that you have a walkout option. Then you have your other options that you're going to drive to. Think about your scent. uh, Try to do as good a job at that selection as possible. And especially if you are backpacking into country, it's even more critical critical because now you have super options about where you can camp so that you can get into animals right away, but you don't want to blow them out. So that's our tips for today on the camp part two. Next time we get together, it's going to be part three, and that's going to be the plan. So until then, from Joe and Chad, uh, we'll see you later on the uh podcast and we hope to see you on our website which is now live Uh, you can go to elkbros.com and you can go to our website you can go to our podcast go to podcast.elkbros.com and see that and if you're going either to the podcast or you're going to our uh, youtube page please please um, rate us and review us we want to find out how we're doing so thanks again and we'll see you next time